Hello and welcome to this week's Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw, known as the Success Alchemist. You can find me at the successalchemist.net, at the webalchemist.net, empoweredmanifestation.com, Facebook and YouTube, Jan Shaw, the Success Alchemist, and on Twitter at Coach Jan Shaw. So today is the 10th of April, 2021. And the title of today's show is Prince Philip Dead, Dems Panic, Hunter's Laptop, and The Vaccine. And if we have time, we might even cover a little bit about Matt Gates, but we'll see. There's a lot to share, as usual, a very busy week. And I'm going to start with the death of Prince Philip, which is very interesting. And he died yesterday, April 9th age 99 and it was the 99th day of the year so a lot of a lot of the anons have been digging into this saying this this can't be a coincidence all these nines and of course nine represents the end of something and we've got this um dichotomy of one side mourning and celebrating prince philip and the other side um, actually celebrating the death of Prince Philip because those of us who have been down the rabbit hole know that the royal family is satanic. Um, Prince Philip and the Queen were accused and I think convicted in a common law court of abducting children, 10 children from a children's home or orphanage in Canada and apparently they took them took them out for a picnic and the children were never seen again so it's believed that they perhaps were murdered in a satanic sacrifice so and we've got reports of shape-shifting and to be honest the the face of Prince Philip was just looked so evil so lots of people on the um Anon side, the awakened, are celebrating that this this evil, satanic, demonic person has passed. But there's also a lot of speculation that actually he's long gone, that he, you know, has been dead for some time. And part of this is to do with a, a delta, as we call it, on one of the Q drops. And this is from April 9th last year. And Prince Philip was the Duke of Edinburgh, of course, which is in Scotland. Edinburgh is in Scotland. And this particular drop, 3925, three, says, do people really believe the biggest scandal in modern US history will go unpunished? Scot free in square brackets, which are known as kill brackets. And you know, the thought is that that, re that refers indirectly to Prince Philip and his links to Scotland. And the other thing that happens in the royal family is they have these um, preordained plans for a royal funeral and they use code names for them and the code name, and they're named after bridges, the code name for Prince Philip's uh, funeral plan is the fourth bridge which is uh, again a Scottish bridge so there's thoughts and, and Q mentions bridge in many different Q drops so that's speculation about that from the Anons but interestingly there's also an article and this relates to a supposed error in reporting um, by the Sun newspaper in the UK. And this is an article from May 2017. Interestingly, at 11.11, <laughs> magic numbers. The Sun mistakenly reports Prince Philip is dead. Rupert Murdoch owned title posts headline, How did the Duke of Edinburgh die, etc., etc.? The Sun newspaper mistakenly published a story suggesting Prince Philip had died. The title, owned by Rupert Murdoch's News UK, 
posted a story online with the headline Prince Philip dead at 95. How did the Duke of Edinburgh die, etc, etc. The story read Prince Philip, otherwise known as the Duke of Edinburgh, was the husband of Queen Elizabeth II. He was married to Queen Elizabeth II. The pair had four children together, Prince Charles, Princess Anne, Prince Andrew and Prince Edward. French media also mistakenly published stories wrongly suggesting the Duke of Edinburgh had died. The article was deleted within minutes of publication but continued to appear in searches on Google. It was published after the Queen called an emergency meeting at Buckingham Palace to announce Prince Philip would step down from royal duties. Um, and the Sun apologies. Hi at the Sun, not sure that's supposed to have been published and it's got a screenshot of the um, the the actual article, Prince Philip dead at 95, how did the Duke of Edinburgh die, etc, etc. The palace said it was Prince Philip's decision taken with the support of the Queen. This is to step down from royal engagements. A statement released on Thursday read, Prince Philip will attend previously scheduled engagements between now and August, both individually and accompanying the Queen. Thereafter, the Duke will not be accepting new invitations for visits and engagements, although he may still choose to attend certain public events from time to time. The news of the meeting had originally sparked rumours that either the Queen or her husband had been taken ill, despite a spokesperson confirming the meeting was no cause for alarm ahead of the announcement. The whole royal household was summoned to the meeting, including servants from royal residences across the country, held at 10am by the Lord Chamberlain, the most senior officer of the royal household. The Independent has contacted the Sun for comment. And we've seen other reports of newspapers and TV announcing the death of somebody that's then withdrawn very, very quickly. It happened with Tom Hanks in Australia and it's happened with others. I can't remember them off the top of my head now, but there have been several um, famous people where there's been supposedly a false announcement. But one has to wonder, you know, we've heard so much about, you know, these these people have already been arrested. They've already been executed. What you're seeing are just body doubles or clones. And even Prince Charles, um, in a recent interview, I say recent or the most recent interview, people were saying this is not Prince Charles. That is a body double. And certainly I would I would agree with that, that it just it, it looks similar, but it's definitely not Prince Charles. So this could be true. And the question remains um, as what is the significance of the timing of this announcement if he has been dead for quite some time for a number of years? So. I don't know. We'll maybe have to wait and see. <laughs> but that's that's been interesting this week. Actually, one thing before I do move on is, of course, you know, the the royal family is a very senior element of the the ruling elites, as it were. So perhaps it signifies something to do with the end of their reign, literally, in terms of control of the planet. Who knows? I do hope so. I know people are getting very impatient observing what's going on in the world and saying, come on, we really need to do something about that. But I'll cover something on that later. So moving on to the Dem Democrat panic. And this is related to, of course, the um, the continuing news of about the fraudulent election. And um, particularly... It's particularly apparent in Arizona how they are panicking in relation to the audit of the votes in Maricopa County. And of course, you know, Arizona is one of the swing states and Mar Maricopa is the biggest county in, in Arizona. It's got Phoenix there, which is, you know, a huge metroplex. So I reported on an earlier show that um, the Supreme Court of Arizona had um, demanded this audit to be carried out and 
Previously, the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors had carried out an audit, which was supposedly done by auditors that were certified, and then it turned out that they weren't, and it was the most unprofessional audit that was ever carried out, and that's why they, uh, the, the legislature in Arizona have now said that there must be a full audit carried out. And they have appointed auditors to conduct this audit. Well, the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors are panicking big time because they know they cheated and they're obviously afraid of this coming out. So Gateway Pundit wrote, and this was yesterday, Democrats in Arizona are petrified. They're bringing in Mark Elias's Perkins Coy to make threats and make the Maricopa County audit go away. Patriots in Arizona are under attack by far-left lunatics who disregard non-profit laws to fund their anti-American actions. The National Democratic Machine is in panic mode over the Arizona Senate's Maricopa County ballot audit. On Tuesday, the Democrats sent in National Fixer attorney Mark Elias's firm, Perkins Coy, to throw around threats and make the audit go away. The stakes are astronomical for the Dems. After all the November 3rd, 2020 election steal gained them the presidency and control of both houses. The swing states in which the 2020 election steal occurred are key to uncovering the truth and proving the fraud in the election, and Arizona is one of those states. Steve Bannon of the War Room pandemic, Peter Navarro, who wrote an incredible three-part analysis explaining the 2020 election steal, the Navarro Report, and Mike Lindell, who co-produced and hosted two documentaries about the 2020 election steal, have all repeatedly stated that if just one of these swing states fall, they'll all fall like a house of cards. So to prevent this house of cards from falling and any election tampering and fraud being exposed, the Democratic hit team blew into Arizona, a top Democrat-run non-profit at the helm, with three law firms in tow to shut this thing in Arizona down. Mark Elias's favourite hammer is a non-profit. Lo and behold, whom do we find deployed in the threat via an e-letter to the Arizona Senate's four chosen audit firms, but the Protect Democracy Project, a 501c3 charity which is required by law, more so than other types of non-profits, to remain strictly non-partisan. This act doesn't look non-partisan. We wrote about this yesterday, and it's linked to another article, Arizona Should Sue the Far-Left Protect Democracy Project, for misrepresenting itself and claiming it's not political, which doesn't appear to be the case. Perkins Coy and Mark Elias, Hillary Clinton's consigliere, were, remember, responsible for the fabricated and discredited Steele dossier, which was a vicious partisan attempt by the Democrats to remove Republican President Donald Trump from office. The Protect Democracy Project, PDP, non-profit, which is in reality functioning as a weaponized political tool of the Democrats, sicked not one, not two, but three law firms on the Arizona Senate's audit teams. Perkins Coy and two Arizona firms, Coppersmith Brockelman and Barton Mendez Soto. With a hefty $12.4 million in revenue as of 2019, and a whopping 72 staff members, many of whom are attorneys, the PDP is a rich and powerful non-profit and can afford to engage the legal muscle needed to enforce the Democrat billionaire's will. We've reported on how the PDP is tied to Soros, China, Obama and Biden. And there's a link to another article, Breaking Exclusive Protect Democracy Project, the group threatening Arizona auditors is connected to Obama, Soros, China and Biden's DOJ. And it starts by saying the corruption from the Obama years is not over, it's just beginning. The so-called non-for-profit group, the Protect Democracy Project, 
is now involving itself in the Arizona Senate's audit of Maricopa County. Carrying on with this article, this charity effectively provides Perkins Coy with the one-off camo and the appearance of do-gooders doing good necessary so that it can actually execute the raw will of the National Democratic machine without appearing to do so. Never mind the will of the people of Arizona and their state Senate, and never mind IRS rules, which require this type of not-for-profit a C3 to never ever take political sides. Perkins Coy and its non-profit lapdog have a mission to stop this audit and laws, rules and the will of the Arizona people are simply in their way. This non-profit's actions are an attempt to interfere in the process of securing an honest, accurate and trustworthy ballot audit and its interference favours the Democratic Party. That's anything but non-partisan, non-profit activity. As expected, the day the letter was released on April 6, 2021, Mark Elias's website, Democracy Docket LLC, issued a statement about it. It revealed that even more threats and more non-profit and legal muscle will be coming down the pike if the Arizona Senate does not back down. Multiple voting rights lawyers and advocacy groups have signed a letter outlining their intention to sue if the unfounded Republican-led audit of Maricopa County's election results goes forward with their planned intimidation tactics. Who is Mark Elias? Why does his name always appear whenever there are Democrat elections which need fixing? A partner at the powerful Perkins Coy law firm he is the head of its political law practice, which assists Democratic political committees and candidates. For example, Hillary Clinton, John Kerry, the DNC, House and Senate majority PACs. Influence Watch states that following the November 2018 midterm elections and the Perkins Coy political law group will have as clients all but three of the Democratic US senators and 100 Democratic members of the U.S. House of Representatives. Furthermore, billionaire George Soros' money follows where Mark Elias goes. In 2016, Soros gave $5 million to Elias and his firm to challenge photo ID requirements at polling places. When Elias joined the board of Priorities USA in 2017, which has similar election integrity goals, that's in inverted commas, and naturally a related non-profit Priorities USA action, Soros in 2018 donated $5 million to its super PAC. Arizona needs to stand strong against this liberal attack. Please know, Arizona, that America has your back. So it's pretty obvious that they're trying to stop this audit, and if it was all above board and honest, they wouldn't need to, would they? So they're kind of giving the game away. Um, now we move on to Michigan. Huge news, attorney Matthew DiPerno releases Michigan Elections Forensics Report. 66,194 unregistered ballots tallied in just nine counties. And this again was from yesterday. Michigan constitutional attorney Matthew DiPerno released his much-anticipated Michigan Elections Forensics Report on Friday. Among the findings, modem chipsets installed in voting system motherboards. 66,194 unregistered ballots tallied in just nine counties. 66,194 ballot voter IDs not found in the October registration database. And it's got a, a tweet from Matthew Estepernio. And it repeats 66,194 unregistered ballots tallied in just nine counties. And it's got a screenshot of the statistics. Antrim is the only county where registrations have dropped since the election. Total unregistered ballots tallied. And that was again the 66,194. Much more to come. And then it gives links to... Matthew DiPerno's findings. And then just to expand on that other finding, which was about the modem, again, Gateway Pundit has an article, Explosive Investigators for Attorney DiPerno reportedly 
discover modem chips embedded in Michigan voting system computer motherboards. This was actually published today. Friday's release by attorney Matthew DePerno on his ongoing election fraud investigation was explosive. For months, the companies behind the computer voting systems claimed their computers did not have internet access. In his report that was filed in Michigan court, DePerno revealed that his ESNS DS200 voting machines contain a TELIT LE910-SV1 modem chip installed on its motherboard. See Exhibit 6 in Antrim County lawsuit. According to Patrick Colbeck at Let's Fix Stuff, the chip utilised a commercial Verizon SIM card with an access point name, APN, configuration specific to the ESNS DS200 provisioning. And then there's an image of the motherboard showing this uh, Telit LE910SV1 modem chip. And then there's also a screenshot of the, the product description. It's obviously the uh, manufacturer's information about the chip. According to former Senator Patrick Colbeck, what does the Telit LE910SV1 modem chip do? Enable communication between voting system equipment and election servers designed to operate on a virtual private network. Testing has revealed that the same SIM card could be used in a separate wireless hotspot device. This device could then join the same APN as the ESNS voting machines. Patrick Kolbeck has more on this significant discovery here. And that's a link to an additional article. And this article goes on to say, why is this important? ESNS equipment is used in eight Michigan counties, Alcona, Bay, Emmett, Grand Traverse, Kalamazoo, Macomb, Mason, Roscommon. It demonstrates that computers can be connected to internet without any discernible ethernet or external modem connection. It demonstrates that Dominion voting systems are not the only electronic voting system with security vulnerabilities. It is very difficult to detect unless you pry open the machine case to investigate the hardware. It drives the imperative for disciplined hardware certification as well as software certification. Anyone with access to any SIM card could have pre-programmed access to the APN. It demonstrates how electronic voting systems could be connected to the internet with minimal risk of detection. And then we have Georgia. And this is by Just the News. And it's still no chain of custody provided for scads of Georgia absentee ballots put in drop boxes. And this was actually updated on the 8th. The Georgia Star News says it still hasn't received chain of custody documentation for many absentee vote-by-mail ballots placed in drop boxes during the 2020 presidential election. More than five months have elapsed since the 2020 presidential election, but officials in the Peach State have yet to produce chain-of-custody records for hundreds of thousands of absentee vote-by-mail ballots that were placed in drop boxes throughout the state. The Georgia Star News reported that the Georgia Secretary of State's office has said that there were 1.3 million absentee vote-by-mail ballots cast in the contest. The outlet said that polling performed by John McLaughlin and Associates suggests that 600,000 of those ballots were placed in the drop boxes throughout the state. According to Georgia Election Code Emergency Rule 183-1-14-0.8-0.14, that's a bit complicated, promulgated by the Georgia State Election Board in July 2020, but not codified by the state legislature at the time, as the Georgia Constitution requires, each of Georgia's 159 counties is responsible for documenting the transfer of every batch of absentee ballots picked up at drop boxes and delivered to the county election offices with ballot transfer forms. The forms are required to be signed and dated with time of pickup by the collection team upon pickup and then signed dated with time of delivery by the registrar or designee upon receipt and accepted, the Star News reported. We don't know how many absentee ballots arrive by mail versus Dropbox. 
the counties can tell you, a spokesperson for Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger told Breitbart in early December. Then, during the period of December 7th to 11th, the Star News issued open records requests to Georgia's 159 counties in an effort to procure copies of the ballot transfer documentation, but since doing so, the outlet has only received chain-of-custody documentation from 59 counties. Based on the estimated 600,000 votes placed in drop boxes statewide, the outlet reports that it has yet to receive documentation for 355,918, or 59.3%, of those 600,000 ballots. The outlet noted that it's possible the numbers supplied by Fulton County may not be complete. It also said that 28 counties did not respond to the records requests and 71 councils either did not have drop boxes or stated that they would supply records if a processing fee is paid. Continuing the subject of election fraud, Mike Lindell has released a second documentary which is titled Scientific Proof. And you can actually watch this video, download it from his website, lindeltv.com. That's L-I-N-D-E-L-L-T-V. And the article that accompanies the video, it says, On March 31st, Mike Lindell, the CEO of MyPillow, released a one-hour television special entitled Scientific Proof. Internationally renowned physicist absolutely proves 2020 election was biggest cybercrime in world history. This special broadcast features Dr. Douglas Frank, who holds a PhD in surface analytical chemistry for the University of Cincinnati. Dr. Frank is an internationally recognised scientist with over 50 scientific publications. In 1990, Dr. Frank discovered and invented a technique for creating three-dimensional images of molecules resting on surfaces. This led to a cover article in Science Magazine, which is the most, the most read science magazine in the world by scientists. And he was on the cover of the Naturwissenschaften in Europe. I hope that's the right pronunciation. I'm not a German speaker. Dr. Frank has spent countless hours since the 2020 election following the data of the election returns county by county across such states as Ohio, Pennsylvania and Colorado, to name a few. Dr. Frank's scientific and mathematical investigation has revealed that there was absolutely massive cyber fraud in the 2020 election. In the television special, Dr. Frank testifies to host Mike Lindell that deviations and mathematical impossibilities could not have been done by humans, by artificial intelligence and computers that were running before, during and after the 2020 US election. Dr. Frank's investigation reveals that the 2010 national census data was used to manipulate the 2020 election rolls and to inject phantom votes into the election totals. His scientific investigation documented and proved that numerous states throughout America had more people voting than lived in many of the counties. The injection of the 2010 national census data into the 2020 election rolls facilitated a crime that some experts are calling the largest cybercrime in world history. Dr Frank explains that the 2010 census was used to actually cast votes for voters that had either passed away or no longer lived in the county or state. In numerous documented cases, voters showed up to vote at their precinct only to be told they had already voted when in fact they had not voted. What is now being revealed by the scientific investigation of Dr Frank is that these Americans had their vote cast for them through a highly sophisticated computer programme. In this television special, Dr Frank explains to Mike Lindell what tipped him off that a cybercrime had been committed not in just a few precincts, counties or swing states, but on a national basis. Dr. Frank also reveals that even in the states President Trump won, the president won those states by larger numbers than was reported. Scientific Proof is the follow-up to the two-hour docu-movie Absolute Proof, 
that was released on February 5th, 2021, and was seen by 70 million people in the first four days of its release, and over 150 million to date across 42 countries. Like Absolute Proof, the executive producers of Scientific Proof are Mike Lindell, Brannon House and Mary Fanning and was filmed by WVW Broadcast Network and directed by Brannon House. So you can watch that at the inteltv.com address that I shared. And uh, I think what what we're saying here is that this investigation into the election fraud is, is not over by any means. I know we're very impatient in terms of seeing the fraudulent result overturned because Biden is doing so much damage to the country and people are suffering big time because of his you know, insane policies, which I'm going to be covering um, a little bit next. But it really, we really need to get this thing um, sorted out once and for all. And it was General Flynn that was saying, for all those Republicans who were talking about running in 2024, you have got to focus on 2020 because we're not going to allow this fraudulent election result to stand. So I'll continue to pray for this outcome and, you know, support the people that are doing the work and just keep the faith that this is going to be sorted out and Biden and the rest of the um, fraudulently elected people are removed and properly charged for treason. So let's talk about Biden for a few minutes. This week, um, he announced a new new gun control actions and says it's a public health crisis. This was on the 8th of April. And we know that there have been so many um, or more and more false flag shootings going on to support this gun control regime. Um, you know, we just see through this. Uh, I did say last week it's questionable if this is the white hats or the, the black hats because, you know, the Democrats or the leftists are wanting to see... Uh, These shootings prove their theory of white supremacy and, you know, white shooting blacks. And and that narrative has fallen flat on its face because it's been, um, you know, coloured or black people that have been perpetrating these shootings. And of course, as people say, you know, when when you've got a drunk driver, you don't ban cars for everybody. And it's always those that want to break the law that are not going to be the ones handing over guns. They're going to be the ones that will manage to get the guns, no matter what the law says. So it's, you know, anybody with a modicum of common sense understands this and that this is purely a ploy to remove um, guns from American people. So let me just uh, cover this. This is an article from Epoch Times. President Joe Biden on April 8th announced several new gun control measures after two mass shootings last month, claiming that shootings are a public health crisis. Gun violence in this country is an epidemic and it's an international embarrassment, he said in a speech at the White House, where he was joined by Vice President Kamala Harris and Attorney General Merrick Garland. Reports said several gun control advocates and local officials also attended. Nothing I'm about to recommend in any way impinges on the Second Amendment. Of course it does. Their phony arguments suggesting that these are Second Amendment rights at stake from what we're talking about. According to text provided by the White House, Biden is directing the Department of Justice to, within 30 days, issue a proposed rule aimed at curbing the spread of so-called ghost guns or guns that are made from build-it-yourself kits. The government will also, in the next two months, issue a proposed rule declaring that a pistol equipped with a stabilising brace will be labelled a short-barrelled rifle and it will publish model red flag legislation for states. Three other actions announced April 7th by the administration include investing in community violence interventions meant to curb the spike in murders and shootings seen last year, issuing an annual report on firearms trafficking and nominating David Chipman as the director of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms. 
Chipman is a former advisor to the gun control advocacy group Everytown for Gun Safety and currently an advisor at Giffords, an organisation that says it works to stop gun violence. I fought my entire career to end this violence and to pass reasonable gun safety laws, Harris said as she introduced the president on April 7th. The solutions exist. People on both sides of the aisle want action, real action, so all that is left is the will and the courage to act. Biden then called on Congress to take action, saying, enough prayers, it's time for some action. Earlier on April 8th, several prominent gun rights groups, including the National Rifle Association, NRA, and Gun Owners of America, criticised Biden's announcement. The latter group described Biden's announcement as tyrannical in nature. Like a dictator, Biden is seeking to unilaterally regulate firearms that gun owners currently own, and he's doing this via executive action, bypassing the constitutional requirements which give Congress the authority to pass legislation, Gun Owners of America said on April 8th. The NRA, meanwhile, warned after Biden's speech that his orders will, in quotes, dismantle the Second Amendment. And there's been a lot of criticism for Biden as well because of, you know, his gaffes and lies. Um, Basically, he was announcing... um, the appointment of David Chipman to the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms. And instead of saying ATF, he said AFT, I think twice at least. And then he claimed that you could buy a gun at a gun show without a background check, which is completely false. So, you know, this is Biden and his uh, his <laughs> dictatorial... Um, presidential actions that are just trying to, uh, again, as the article said, dismantle the Second Amendment. I don't think the American patriots are going to stand for that for one moment. The action that was announced this week was that he's he's appointing a commission to basically look into the prospect of court packing. Of course, he, he refused to answer his position on that at the the numerous or several debates that he had with Trump. Um, He refused to answer, I think, until after the election. And he's not only undoing so many of the policies that Trump introduced, which were working well, but he's also going against things that he campaigned on that was the reason for people voting for him. Although I don't think many people did because... When you look at the uh, statistics for the number of views of the White House videos of him, you know, the numbers are are minuscule, Um, whereas Trump would always get millions of views. He gets maybe a few thousand if he's lucky. And then the the downvotes well outweigh the number of likes by, again, thousands. So we know that it's all... A, a sham. The other thing, of course, that he's created since coming into office is the border crisis. And we've seen some heartbreaking stories this week. You know, this young boy who was wandering around in the desert because he'd been abandoned and, you know, crying his eyes out because he was afraid of being kidnapped. I mean, that's horrific. And then we had an announcement in uh, Texas, I think it was, about one of the detention centres with all these unaccompanied children where there are sexual assaults happening. And they're saying it's not the guards that are committing the assaults, it's other children, which is a classic um, (coughs) behaviour when children have been abused. I mean, it's really heartbreaking. And um, the Federalist Uh, wrote an article on the 8th of April, Biden's border crisis produced the largest influx of illegal aliens in more than 20 years. US Customs and Border Protection took more than 172,000 illegal aliens into custody in March, making it the busiest month for the agency in more than 20 years. While nearly 53,000 of these migrants were members of family units, a record-breaking 18,890 were unaccompanied teens and children, many of whom were packed into overcrowded shelters plagued by COVID-19 spread 
and dangerous conditions for longer than the 72-hour limit permitted by federal law. Despite the Biden administration's claims that many of those crossing the southern border are coming to the United States to seek shelter and help over gang violence and hurricane-stricken countries, the largest number of border crossings during the last month were committed by more than 99,000 single adults, many of whom are not asylum seekers. And there's a tweet from John Daniel Davidson. Something to note about the new CBP apprehension numbers for March, the highest since 2001. The vast majority of those arrested after crossing the border illegally are single adults. Most are men coming to the US to work, economic migrants, not asylum seekers. While the Biden administration has repeatedly denied that there's a border crisis and blamed the abrupt migration influx on normal seasonal surges, the high numbers of illegal border crossings since the president assumed office has grown exponentially. Increases even between February and March data forced the CBP to stretch its chart to accommodate the largest numbers it has seen in at least two decades. And this is a tweet from Nick Miroff. New CBP has published March numbers showing 172,331 taken into custody, the most in nearly two decades. And it's got a, a, an image of the graph showing those statistics. CBP's newest data follows news that Border Patrol agents are letting nearly a thousand illegal aliens cross the border every day unpursued because they are focused on tending to the overwhelming number of unaccompanied minors and migrant families flooding holding centres. Of those illegal immigrants, sorry, of those illegal migrants who are arrested, many are being released by Border Patrol agents without a return court date due to limited space in already overcrowded holding facilities. The problems at the southern border appear to be largely unaddressed by the current administration. While a looming two million more migrants are expected to make their way across the US-Mexico border by September, Biden and his team continue to deny that their open border rhetoric is spurring illegal aliens to take the dangerous journey to the United States. Despite the Democratic administration's confidence that the border crisis is merely a challenge created by the former administration, Mexico's President André Manuel López Obrador recently said it is the new president's migration policies and rhetoric that sparked hopeful expectations and created the influx of migrants. Some illegal aliens who crossed the border have also testified that Biden was the deciding factor for why they choose to come to the US. And of course, we had the ridiculous response from Biden that said, oh, it's because I'm such a nice guy. And Biden and Harris, neither of them have visited the border yet, even when Harris was appointed, you know, in charge of the border situation. So, you know, a lot of a lot of this, I know we we hate to see this, and it's it's really concerning because of the the number of um, migrants that are escaping uh, detention, many of whom are part of these cartels and and they are criminals that are just allowed to get into the US. And, you know, the people, especially in the border areas, really concerned about their safety because of the history of violence from many of these um, illegal migrants. So, but I think people are waking up and saying, hang on a minute, I didn't vote for this. I didn't vote for all these economic migrants to come in and take American jobs and, you know, that keeps the the hourly rate down because they will work for you know, very low wages. So, you know, all of these things, I think we have to remember um, as heartbreaking and as concerning as they are, are waking the, the original Biden and Democrat supporters, waking them up to the agenda of this government. And it's absolute abject failure in the what three months almost less than three months that they've actually been in 
in the administration. So talking of the Bidens, let's now move on to Hunter. And the Daily Mail put out an article on April 8th, so Thursday, exclusive what wasn't in Hunter Biden's book. How he got an authorised Secret Service protection, begged Joe to run for White House to salvage his own reputation and made porn films with prostitutes. Forensic experts prove laptop is president's sons. And of course, they tried to deny this and Joe Biden was trying to blow it off as, you know, having been debunked or it was disinformation and so on. And of course, the um, big tech, Facebook, Twitter particularly, they censored the reports back in October about the Hunter laptop um, uh, so that it wouldn't be um, known by potential Biden supporters. And uh, there was a poll done or a survey done to say, if you'd known about the Hunter Biden laptop, would you have voted for Joe Biden? And there were many people, I don't know the statistics exactly, but many people said no, they wouldn't. And this is one of the issues about um, the fraudulent election, that it's not just about the vote counting, it's also about the censorship that influenced people's votes. So, you know, it's just all dirty. Anyway, let me continue with this uh, article and stop my rant. <laughs> Hunter Biden released his tell-all memoir, Beautiful Things. I mean, isn't that ironic? Anyway on Tuesday, but left out shocking details. Dailymail.com can reveal those secrets after contents of his abandoned laptop, including a cache of 103,000 text messages, 154,000 emails, more than 2,000 photos, were verified by top forensic experts. You know, it just occurred to me that there's so much of this is satire. I do wonder whether... This is all being done under the control of the White House. <laughs> you know, how can <laughs> titling a book about Hunter Biden as beautiful things when you've seen the photographs, the oh, the <sighs> everything that is on that laptop, it just is farcical. Anyway, I'll carry on. Hunter left his MacBook Pro laptop at a Wilmington, Delaware computer repair shop in April 2019 and never returned for it. In text from 2019, Hunter begged his father to run for president to salvage Hunter's own reputation. Hunter repeatedly dodged police action against him despite constantly dealing with drug dealers and prostitutes and having multiple run-ins with the law. The president's son was guarded by a Secret Service agent while on a 2018 drug and prostitute binge in Hollywood, despite not being entitled to protection at the time. Hunter appeared to be obsessed with making porn films with prostitutes. Videos and photos on his laptop show. Texts also show Joe Biden was afraid his conversations with Hunter were being hacked, even as they discussed his White House bid. Hunter Biden's tell-all autobiography promised the unvarnished story of his struggles with drugs, family turmoil and his controversial love life. But there were many shocking details of his debauched life that the president's son chose not to share with readers, including details of his fragile relationship with his father. Now DailyMail.com can reveal the secrets Hunter chose not to divulge exposed in the contents of his abandoned laptop and verified by top forensic experts. And that is the key. It's now been verified. So they cannot claim that this was hacked or that this was um, Russian disinformation and so on. The bombshell cache of 103,000 text messages, 154,000 emails, more than 2,000 photos and dozens of videos are packed with revelations conveniently missing from the memoir, including how he begged his father to run for president in 2019 to salvage Hunter's own reputation, how he repeatedly dodged police action against him despite constantly dealing with drug pushers and prostitutes and having multiple run-ins with law enforcement. 
Hunter was guarded by a Secret Service agent while on a 2018 drug and prostitute binge in Hollywood, despite not being entitled to protection at the time and amid denials from the federal agency. Joe Biden was afraid his text conversations with Hunter were being hacked even as they discussed his White House bid, how Hunter's laptop is brimming with evidence of apparent criminal activity by Hunter and his associates, including drug trafficking and prostitution. And of course, we know um, from last week that there's this episode with the gun that Hallie Biden threw away in a in a trash can outside a grocery store. And the paperwork that uh, Hunter completed actually lied about the fact that he said he wasn't um, partaking in narcotics, you know, his crack cocaine um, addiction. So, you know, there's more and more coming out about the Hunter family. This this is a long article and it's also got many of the images off the laptop. So I'm not going to read the rest of it because I do want to cover something around about the vaccine. This is really important. Just want to say before I start is I'm not trying to do any fear mongering here. You know, I don't deal in fear porn, but, you know, we can only make uh, a decision, an informed decision about whether to take the vaccine or not or get the vaccine if we know the facts. And of course, the people are saying follow the science, but like everything that Big Pharma does, it skews the science to suit its agenda. And that is to make a billions of dollars on vaccines which actually are not vaccines at all so you know we've seen reports of adverse more and more adverse reactions including some deaths um there's an article by epoch times second vaccination site halts operations after adverse reactions to johnson and johnson vaccine i'm just going to read a little bit of this because uh, there's another article I really want to cover. Four people were taken to hospital for further observation. A vaccination site in Wake County, North Carolina, paused operations on Thursday after 18 adverse reactions to the Johnson & Johnson CCP virus vaccine were reported, officials said. Officials confirmed that the immunisation site at the PNC Arena in Raleigh paused vaccine operations out of an abundance of caution after 18 adverse reactions were seen out of more than 2,300 Johnson & Johnson CCP, Chinese Communist Party, virus doses administered in less than two hours of appointments. And actually, I believe the Johnson & Johnson uh, vaccine is one that is not using the mRNA um, factor. So um, I'm going to move on quickly to another article because this is from a doctor who's basically saying COVID-19 vaccines are weapons of mass destruction and could wipe out the human race. This actually was put out middle of March, actually the 13th. But I think it's really important because, you know, people are rushing to get vaccinated when it's not a vaccine, as I've said, and um, they don't understand the consequences this is not FDA approved. It has been approved for emergency use, but it's still an experimental treatment. And you cannot mandate a treatment that is experimental. So just legally, they cannot mandate this. Anyway, let me get on to this article because um, I'm running out of time here again. If you've been reading my articles for a while, you will know that I never exaggerate. And this is Dr. Vernon Coleman. And it's at vernoncoleman.org. You will also know that for the last year, my predictions, assessments and interpretations have been absolutely accurate. Now, more than ever, I need your help. Unless we work together, we are doomed. I need your help because we need to reach millions with this article. And with the big platforms and the mainstream media having banned me, I cannot reach those millions without you. I believe this is the most important article you will ever read. You have to share it. You have to do nothing for the next few days but send this article to everyone you know or don't know who has an email address and send it to every journalist whose email address you can find. You can send it easily from vernoncoleman.org. 
Do you remember that video in which Bill and Melinda Gates sat and smirked as they talked about how the next pandemic would make people sit up and take notice? Well, I think I know what is going to happen. We all know that the evil elite, the Agenda 21 and Great Reset promoters have all along intended to kill between 90 and 95% of the world's population. Sadly, I fear it is probably too late to save many of those who have had the vaccine. Millions are doomed and I fear that many will die when they next come into contact with the coronavirus. But something has gone seriously wrong with the plans of the elite. And the result is that now those of us who haven't had the vaccine also appear to be in serious danger. We need to keep our immune systems in tip-top condition by eating wisely and taking vitamin D supplements. And we may at some point need to keep away from those who have had the vaccine. They are, I believe, now a very real danger to the survival of the human species. For longer than I like to think about it, I have been warning about the dangers of the COVID-19 vaccines. I know that they should not really be called vaccines, although one official definition has been changed to accommodate them. But if I call them gene therapy, then the people who we are trying to reach, who have been told that they are vaccines, won't know what I'm talking about. Almost exactly a year ago, I warned that the reason that the coronavirus risk was being exaggerated was partly to set up a mandatory vaccination programme. The COVID-19 fake pandemic was created in part to find an excuse for the vaccines, rather than the vaccine being created as a solution to the alleged threat posed by COVID-19. I've been warning for months that the experimental vaccines are dangerous and produce many potentially deadly side effects. The celebrities and many doctors are wrong in providing reassurance. I was right to suggest that the vaccines could kill more people than COVID-19, but it now seems likely that the vaccines may be responsible for the death of hundreds of millions who have not been vaccinated. This is where I don't want you to get all in a panic, please. My long-term thinking has always been that the COVID-19 fraud was planned with a purpose to kill as many of the elderly and the frail as possible and to introduce mandatory vaccinations. That was what I said in my first video in mid-March 2020. There was, of course, also the plan to destroy and then reinvent the economy to satisfy the requirements of Agenda 21 and the Great Reset. Days after that video first appeared, I was furiously attacked on the internet. My Wikipedia entry was dramatically changed. Details of all my books, TV series and columns were removed. I was described as a discredited conspiracy theorist. I made a video explaining just how the Wikipedia entry was altered to demonise and to discredit. Many others who have questioned the official line on COVID-19 have suffered the same way. And of course, the BBC and the national press have joined in by attacking those daring to question the official line by airing unacceptable truths. I'm going to jump down a bit because this is a really long article. I suggest you go to the website and read the whole thing. I'm going to get on to why he is saying that these vaccines are so dangerous. It says, the, apart from the, the rather important fact that they don't do what people think they do, which is to provide any immunity... There are three huge problems with the vaccines. The first problem, of course, is that these experimental vaccines have already proved to be desperately dangerous, killing many people already and producing serious adverse events in many more. The size of this particular problem can be judged by the fact that even the authorities admit that probably only one in a hundred vaccine-related deaths and serious injuries will be reported. The second problem is the immune system problem known as pathogenic priming or a cytokine storm. What happens is that the immune system of the person who has been vaccinated will be primed to respond in a very dramatic way if that individual comes into contact with the virus in the future. The result can be catastrophic and this is what I fear will happen in the autumn and during next winter. The people who had the vaccine are going to be in real trouble when they next come into contact with coronavirus. Their immune systems will overact, overreact, and that's likely to be when there will be lots of deaths. Patients haven't been officially warned about this problem, although the evidence was published in the International Journal of Clinical Practice for October 2020. The paper is entitled Informed Consent Disclosure to Vaccine Trial Subjects of Risk of COVID-19 Vaccines Worsening Clinical Disease. 
He goes on to say further down, I think the elite thought they were safe. I think they devised a plan that would result in millions of deaths, but which would not harm them. But I believe they made a huge, crucial mistake. And this brings us to the third problem, a problem I don't think they expected. And he talks about uh, Dr. Geert van den Bosch, who is a very eminent vaccine specialist. Dr. Bosch has pointed out that the vaccines which are currently being used are the wrong weapons to use for the war against this virus infection. Disastrously, by giving vaccines to millions, we are teaching the virus how to mutate and to become stronger and more deadly. Trying to devise new vaccines for new mutations simply makes things worse because the scientists cannot possibly get ahead of the mutated viruses and the people who have been vaccinated are now sharing mutated viruses with those around them. The mutations are becoming stronger and deadlier. Ending the lockdowns will be perfectly timed to ensure that new mutations of the COVID-19 virus are spread far and wide. So I'll let you uh, find that article and read the rest of it. I've run out of time now again, I'm afraid. Um, I've already announced that I will not be getting the vaccine for all these reasons. And, you know, I'm trying to share this information with as many people as possible so that they can make an informed decision about it. So that's all I have time for this week. I hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll join me for another Cosmic Creating show next week. Um, in the meantime, go and visit my websites, the successalchemist.net, the webalchemist.net, Empowered Manifestation. And I would like to thank Nancy for producing the show. Be safe, stay well, and bye for now. You have been listening to the Cosmic Creating Radio Show with Jan Shaw, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio. Live long and prosper.